Years ago, early 2013 or so, I had been looking for someone to date online. I had a couple of ads on Craigslist. I had had success of sorts off of that website with dating in the past, so I was trying again. I remember just writing a little about myself and asking for something like a unique date idea or a story or something like that. A number of guys messaged me, but no one really stood out at all. I replied to most of the emails I got, and I believe I wasn't using the relay system at the time because I figured it was just an email address. What was the harm in that? As you can see where I've posted this story, obviously I was wrong about that. So a guy eventually messages me asking all these various questions about me. He seemed to know a lot more information about me, though, than I had ever divulged on Craigslist. He knew things like old usernames I had used in the past and even described my appearance, which I had not even posted. He told me he knew where I worked and would like to meet me someday. I got really creeped out by all of this. I had no idea where he had gotten this information from, and him knowing what I looked like was scary as well, especially since he supposedly knew where I worked. I blocked him and ended up taking down the ad. Then one day at work I worked for a major retailer in a very bad part of an already crime-ridden city. A man came up to me and asked if I was this old username I had forever ago. I went pale and felt my legs turn to jello. There was no way that anyone out there would ever know to associate me with that username. I said no, and that I didn't know what he was talking about. He went on to describe other details about me, which I later figured out were available on my old MySpace page I hadn't used in forever. When I got home later, I logged into that account and deleted just about everything about myself on that site. I kept denying everything he asked about, and he eventually gave up and I hurried off to another area in the store. I was terrified to go home after that, and if I remember correctly I had a co-worker walk me out to my car. I never did see that guy again after that, and I sure hope I never will. I live in another state now, so it's not likely he'd ever find me out here. Probably the worst experience for me. I had one aftermarket wheel for a truck I had and had decided to go a different route so I was selling the one new wheel. Guy emails me about buying it for his son, said he was buying a whole set. We agreed on a price, I think $200, and I paid an extra $50 to ship it to him. I was just tired of the wheel taking up space. We agree that he'll just send me a money order in the mail the next day, so the next day I ship the wheel. He gives me a phone call the next week after the wheel arrives wondering why I sent it. Turns out he couldn't come up with the money and didn't think I actually sent it after I said I did. I was so fed up and didn't feel like bothering to pay for shipping to get it back, so I just said for him to have a good Christmas and not worry about it. He was very thankful and said it was going to make his son's Christmas. I don't know how since it was just one wheel, but whatever. Hello everyone, I've always wanted to post my story here, but am not very articulate so I haven't done it until now. I want to tell my story because hopefully it can stop young girls or boys from being harmed. By the way, my name is Sarah. So when I was 17 years old, my family and myself moved to a new area, which meant I had to quit my old job. I always wanted to work to be able to support my coffee and shopping addiction, so I was very eager to find a new job but this time I wanted something that paid more. 
I thought I was way too smart to accept minimum wage, so I started applying to be a receptionist at some vet clinics in the area, and some other lower-level receptionist jobs. I don't know why I thought I would be able to get a job like this while in high school. All I can say is I was an ambitious kid. I was on Indeed and would also drive to locations to fill out applications, but I wasn't getting any callbacks so I became frustrated and turned to Craigslist. My mother told me over and over again to not go on that website, and I watched the Craigslist killer movie. I knew how stupid this was, but I was 17 so I thought I was invincible. I applied at a few more receptionist jobs and vet clinics that I made sure were reputable places. I received one call regarding my Craigslist applications. It was from a man who sounded very professional and told me that he had just started a company and needed a receptionist which already sent red flags off in my mind because I had not filed out an application for any new companies. I asked him what the name of the company was and he dodged my question, but I was still very interested. I wanted to make good money. He told me that I had a really nice voice which I thought was good, because if I was going to be working as a receptionist I should have a good phone call voice. He also said that I was beautiful which I blushed at at the time. He told me that he would love to meet for an interview that day and I was very excited. I grabbed a pen and paper and asked him where his company was and he said they hadn't moved into their building which was a little strange, but I said, no problem where would you like to meet ill have my mom drive me and he started to act a little off when i mentioned my mother he said no need to bother your mother ill pick you up that sentence was the point where i knew i was talking to a bad guy but i still tried to reason it in my head because i really wanted this job i had been applying for months and this was the first call i received so i said to him no, that's okay, my mom will drive me. She wouldn't want me getting into a car with a man I don't know. And that's when he started telling me that the only way we could do it is if he could pick me up. He started getting annoyed and said that there were so many women applying for this job, so he needed to get an answer as soon as possible. He also started telling me all the opportunities I would be missing out on. At that point I was very conflicted and asked if I could give him a call back in a moment and he sighed and said yes, but don't make me wait. I hung up the phone and was relieved to be done with that conversation. I went to my mom's room and explained everything to her and she lost her mind. She said, Sarah that guy is some pervert don't call him back. And then she proceeded to look up the police station number because she wanted to report him to the police. I was embarrassed and begged her not to. He proceeded to call me over and over again after I hadn't responded. I didn't want to talk to him again so I texted him and said no thank you to the offer. He lost his mind. I received so many text messages along the lines of, dumb bitch, I have so much money I could have taken care of you, I know where you live act. For weeks after this incident I felt so guilty because I thought I put my entire family's life in jeopardy. I had a hard time sleeping and I rejected any interviews immediately because I thought they could have been him using another person to bait me out of my house. I wish I would have allowed my mom to call the police because I think he was going to do something really messed up. I sell everything from car parts, cars and tools to appliances and collectibles on Craigslist, so I get a mix of people that nobody wants to imagine. A few highlights would be me selling a car that I told the guy overheated and shut off after running for 5-10 minutes. 
We left it to idle while we talked. He asks for a test drive around the block, and I said okay. Now he had come with another guy with a truck and U-Haul dolly, which we agreed to unhitch and put in a spot that it couldn't be quickly rehitched so that he could load the car and go. Keep in mind, this was an 80s Camaro with a full straight pipe and no plates. I watched the test driver hauling ass down the hill while trailer guy sat in his truck and truck guy picked up his phone and then sped off. Keep in mind, he didn't have the trailer. Long story short, the Camaro broke down at the end of my street after the driver tried to run off with it, and trailer guy left the trailer in front of my house, and due to their stupidity, I took pity and returned the trailer to U-Haul and didn't pursue it. The level of stupidity of trying to drive off in a car that the owner told you would break down as soon as it got hot is impressive. Another good one was the truck bed cap I was selling for a long bed ranger. The guy came to my house in a short bed ranger, paid me, we put it on, it was obviously too long, and he asked if he could borrow a sawzall. I let him, and he proceeded to hack the last 18 inches of it off, hand the saw back, shake my hand, thank me, and drive off. That was a new one. Other gems include people insisting that 8-lug Ford truck rims would fit on their vehicles that did not have 8-lug axles, my TV sales story somewhere else in the thread, a guy buying a rust-free tailgate, then coming bam with a rotted out one a day later yelling claiming that it was broken and rotted out, and that I ripped him off, a few people showing up to my house and trying to walk off with things, and one guy who probably purchased an appliance off of me stealing the washer and dryer out of my truck while I ate lunch at Wendy's that were both broken that I was on my way to scrap. Oh Craigslist, how I love thee. On the buyer's end, I had a guy try to sell me a Honda Civic that had four different VIN numbers and a very obviously swapped dashboard VIN plate. The car, when run on Carfax according to the dashboard, was a red 22 Civic Coupe year may be wrong. I don't remember precisely, but the car was a 2001 gray four-door. It had all of the signs of a very obvious bad chop shop job, and was in a bad part of town. I told the police, and it was in fact stolen, and I dodged a bullet. Sold an expensive fully tested aquarium light on Craigslist once $300 cash. Sweet. Email comes through guy would like it dropped off as he was a college student and didn't have a car. Being freshly out of college, I sympathized and said sure he lived in Boston 45 minutes away. Not only did this mother F live in Boston, he lived on Newberry Saint in Boston. The vestibule to his apartment complex had a crystal chandelier. But I digress. The buyer comes out and meets me and invites me in, where he says he only has $200 bucks and asks if that's okay. I'm obviously pissed. He hits up his roommate for the extra Benjamin who puts out without a fight, I am now on to his shit. I take my money and go collect my illegally parked car for this transaction. The only perk is I am in the second nicest neighborhood in Boston. I haul my SUV the 45 minutes back to my house. No sooner do I get home and I get a text from this mother F. He wants me to come back to Boston to refund him because the LED moonlights on this aquarium light have burnt out. I tested it before posting and delivery LEDs worked fine. LEDs don't burn out magically. I'm a good guy. If I sold something that was damaged, I would probably work something out with the buyer. But really, F this guy. 
I ignore this guy's message. Mother F blows up my phone with texts for the next three days. Ten of ten would tell him to go F himself next time. When I was 21 I tried to kill myself by taking half a bottle of Xanax and posting an ad to Craigslist asking for someone to come get me. Someone did. He took me back to his place and as soon as he gave me a glass of wine I knew something bad was going to happen but I'd asked for it. Well I hadn't asked for it but I'd made a CL posting saying I took a bunch of pills and need someone to get me. I was practically comatose and only vaguely remember but he proceeded to date army and beat the shit out of me. To be fair, I hated my life so much at that point I wasn't even mad. And to his credit, had he not kept me up all night raping and beating the shit out of me I might have died. At the end of it he threw me unceremoniously in a shower and showed me all the bruises and wealth he gave me before driving me home. I never pressed charges, I'm not even mad about it but I became aware of how messed up the people of Craigslist can be that night. Had he not saved my life, it would have been a complete horror story. I searched for a room to rent for more than a month. Every night, I checked Craigslist, hoping to find a room I could afford. I wanted a place with a reasonable security deposit and where all the usual bills were included. The problem was that most rooms on the website were too expensive or had extra costs not mentioned up front. I needed a room not too far from my workplace, which was the American Museum of Natural History. I worked in the curator's office there. The room I was staying in would soon be unavailable because the landlord was selling the house. So all of us living there had about six weeks to find a new place to stay. Now already four weeks had passed and I only had two weeks left so I started to worry. But one Friday evening, I saw a new ad on Craigslist. It said all the bills were included, and they only needed a small security deposit. The pictures of the place looked good, and the best part was it was just a five-minute walk from the American Museum. I called right away and told the landlord, Mason, that I was interested. I asked if I could see the place tomorrow. Mason said that was fine, and we set a time for 4 p.m. The next day, I arrived on time and went up the stairs to the big old house. Instead of a doorbell, I used the old star door knocker, as there didn't seem to be a doorbell. Strangely enough, I knocked on the door, and a man of medium build named Mason greeted me. He seemed to be in his forties or around that age. Mason told me they were doing some renovations inside, so it might get a bit noisy during the day. I said it was okay because I'd be out for work most of the time. I asked if they worked on weekends, and he said no, only on weekdays. Then he took me upstairs to see the room. It was clean and a good size, with the usual furniture like a bed, wardrobe, work table, and a couple of chairs. But Mason told me the room didn't have a TV, which was unfortunate. He asked if I had my own TV, and I said yes, a small portable one. As long as there's a place to plug in the antenna, he pointed to the far wall and said, yes, right over there. Then Mason showed me the bathroom, which was just down the hall, the first door on the left. He said it had both a bath and a shower, so I could choose how to bathe. I quickly checked the room, and it seemed fine, even though it looked a bit old-fashioned. Mason mentioned that he would rent out a couple of other rooms too, but they were still being renovated. It might take a couple of months before there are any other housemates. 
I said I had no problem and was ready to move in right away. I asked, how soon can I move in, Mason replied, it depends on when you make the payment. He explained that I needed to pay one month's rent up front and a small security deposit. Then he took out a rental document from his pocket and said, you'll need to sign this contract for a minimum of six months with the option to extend for another six months. Once I receive the payment, you can move in the next day. I read the contract quickly, signed it, and handed it back, saying, I'll have the money ready by Monday. Can I move in with my stuff on Tuesday? He agreed, and everything was set. Tuesday came, and I had parked my small rental van out front. I had hired it to move all my boxes and things from my old place. Luckily, my friend and work colleague, William, came along to help. He and I were good friends outside of work, and he often assisted me with various tasks since I was not very strong. I'm five feet five and female, and I needed help to lift the heavy boxes. It would have been nearly impossible for me to do it alone. We knocked, and Mason answered the door. I've come to pick up the key so I can start moving my stuff in. Mason nodded and gave me two keys with a letter E on the tag. I looked at the keys and said, E, that's for Ellie, right? That's what I signed on the contract. He smiled a little, which felt a bit strange, but I didn't think much of it and took the key with the letter E. Then he mentioned that his wife had passed away last year and his son was away at college. Currently, he was the only one in the house, except for the builders during the day. He said if I had any issues, I could come downstairs and knock on his door on the left side. During the day, it was at the end of the corridor on the left, and that was his room. So after Mason gave me the keys, I joined William to unload the van and fill up my new room. Once I finished unpacking, I dropped William off at his home, thanked him, and said goodbye. Then I returned to the house and settled into my room. Since it was a long day and it was already 9 p.m., I had a quick and not-so-great dinner. It was a random microwave meal I put together, something like a fish pie if I remember correctly. Later, I tried to watch TV, but the signal was bad with broken sound. Feeling frustrated, I gave up, turned off the TV, and spent the rest of the evening scrolling through my phone. I was very tired, so before going to bed, I decided to visit the bathroom down the hall. I looked for my wash bag, towel, and toothbrush, and then I headed down the hall. It was quite dark, so I tried to turn on the hall light, but it didn't work. I had to be careful and make my way in the dark. Luckily, the bathroom light worked, so I could see inside. After I finished taking a shower and brushing my teeth, I had a strange feeling like someone was watching me. I looked around the room to make sure there was nothing there. I figured it was just my imagination playing tricks on me due to being tired and stressed, so I went inside my room, locked the door, and changed into my bedtime clothes. I turned off the bedside light, looked up at the ceiling for a moment, and then closed my eyes to sleep. The next thing I knew, I woke up under the covers and sensed that someone was in my room, moving quietly and slowly around my bed. I wondered, am I imagining things? I held my breath and thought, should I scream or try to jump out of bed and run to the door? Or maybe both. But I was so scared that I couldn't even move my body. The person continued to walk around my bed with a small light. As it came closer, it stopped, and I could hear their breathing, slow and steady. Then I heard a voice speaking slowly and calmly. It was Mason, my landlord. I sat up in bed and asked Mason, Why are you in my room? 
He explained that he heard me screaming and calling out from my room. He knocked on the door several times, but I didn't answer, so he used the emergency passkey to check if I was okay. Confused, I asked, you knocked on the door? Why didn't I hear that? I would have woken up or answered the door. Mason said, maybe you were having a bad dream or nightmare. I was puzzled and asked, but why were you walking around my room with a torch? Then he said, we had a fuse problem. I'm sorry if I scared you. I just wanted to check if you were okay. Mason explained. He said he needed to fix the fuse board and hoped I would have a peaceful night's sleep. Then he turned and left the room. Something didn't feel right. I couldn't believe I would sleep through someone banging on my door like that, and why was he moving around my bed so quietly? A moment later, the lights came back on, and I heard a scream from downstairs. I quickly got dressed and opened my door to see what was happening. I called out for Mason. What's happening? Can you hear me? Unsure of what to do, I decided to go downstairs to Mason's room. As I entered, I called out again. Mason, are you there? But there was no response. Inside the room, I saw lots of books scattered on the floor and a half-eaten pizza on the table with empty beer cans on the floor. The walls had old bookshelves, and there was a half-open metal door on the other side of the room. I walked over and found Mason lying on the floor near a ladder. It seemed like he had fallen while trying to reach a fuse board on the wall. The fuse board door was open, and it looked like he had slipped and had an accident. I think that when Mason turned the fuse back on, he might have gotten a shock or slipped on the ladder and fell to the floor. I checked to see if he was unconscious and not seriously hurt. While doing that, I noticed a black curtain covering another part of the room. Curiosity got the better of me, so I decided to look behind it, and what I found filled me with terror. There were three screens on the wall. One showed the bathroom and shower area, which I had used that night. The other two screens showed my bed area and eating space. I also saw recording equipment used to keep the footage. It was frightening to realize that Mason had been secretly recording me. I immediately called the police, and they arrived quickly along with an ambulance to help Mason. Once Mason regained consciousness and the medics checked him, the police arrested him. I had to give a statement to the police, and they brought in another team to examine the recording equipment. Shockingly, they found footage of four other women who had rented rooms from him in the past two years. All these women were completely unaware that he had secretly recorded them in their bedrooms and bathrooms. It turned out that Mason had lied about having a wife and a son in college. It was all part of his cover story to seem like a normal person, but in reality, he was a sick and twisted individual. The police believed that him coming into my room that night was a new step for him and it could have led to something worse like an assault. Fortunately, my reaction of shouting at him might have stopped him in his tracks, so he made up the lie about me screaming and him trying to help. He was found guilty based on all the evidence, and he got a prison sentence, which made me feel relieved. But even now, whenever I rent a place, I spend hours checking for hidden cameras to make sure I'm safe. I want to be careful and make sure my privacy is protected. Thankfully, he was found guilty and got the punishment he deserved. Mine is just kinda sad. I adopted a dog, my first ever dog adoption my husband has his own that he got long before we met. 
I'd spent a long time picking out the perfect dog from our local shelter and thought I'd found him. It ended up not working out. Turned out he didn't like my cats despite being okay with the cats at the shelter, and it was causing a lot of havoc in our home as he couldn't be left alone anywhere near them. I reluctantly advertised him on Craigslist with a rehoming fee and was very picky about who I would let him go to. This woman emailed me a few times and begged me to hold him for her so she could meet him. I sent her photos and she said things along the lines of, it was meant to be, and finding him is a dream come true, you know, the kind of stuff overly enthusiastic dog lovers say about dogs. She clearly adored dogs so I agreed to hold the dog a couple more days so she could meet him. She cancelled the day she was supposed to come, but begged me to let her reschedule in two days time. I agreed, but let her know other people were interested. Two days passed and she cancelled again, spinning a story about her brother's car breaking down and her having to loan him money. I told her I couldn't hold him any longer, but I appreciated her interest. All of a sudden she was on her way. She turned up at my house at around 11pm and told me she would take him then and there, that she didn't need any time to see if they would bond as it felt right. He kept barking at her, which I found weird because he never barked, but she seemed over the moon about it. When it came to getting the rehoming fee, she told me she didn't have it, so we agreed that she would come by the following weekend once she got paid again. The day before she was due to bring the rehoming fee, she started sending me texts accusing me of lying about him being house-trained. I assured her he'd never gone to the bathroom in my home, and that he actually seemed to only ever want to pee on my lawnmower and spring onions. I told her he was probably just adjusting to being in a new home with other dogs. She wasn't happy about my response, but I don't know what she wanted me to do. The day she was supposed to bring the fee over I got a knock on the door from the animal cops. She'd reported him as a found, stray dog, claimed he had bitten her after she had struck him and he had been captured and was taken to be quarantined. His microchip had shown my address. I cried as the animal cops took my statement, and I gave proof that she had in fact adopted him from me, not found him. They were pretty pissed off at her too at this point. He went to the shelter and passed his week in quarantine, but due to a mix-up or lack of organization, he was euthanized anyway. It broke my heart and I sent the woman a text letting her know what had happened. Her boyfriend responded with a drunken, immature comment, and then I was bombarded by texts from her over the next couple of days, saying how awful she felt and how she couldn't sleep at night. The animal cops ended up filing a report against her for filing a false report to them about the dog, and she ended up being cited. So yeah, never again will I put an animal on Craigslist.